I'm going to share a little bit of a riddle with you this morning. Okay, so a plane leaving from San Diego going to Mexico City crashes on the border. And so now they're wondering, okay, so what do we do with the survivors? Which side should we bury them on? Should we bury them on the United States side or on the Mexico side? And as you're thinking about that, I share with you another riddle, okay? Methuselah was the oldest man who ever lived, but he died before his father did. Okay, are you there in Genesis 5? In Genesis chapter 5, we're going to be looking at the generations of Adam's descendants. And we see that there's basically ten generations that are given to us. And we're looking at Genesis 5, and it says in the very first verse, this is the written account of Adam's line. Now, we already know that, you know, Adam was the first man, right? And Eve was given as his wife. And then they had children after them. Remember Cain? By the way, we talked about him last week. And Abel, we also talked about him. But we didn't get to talk very long because Cain killed him, remember? But then, you know, Adam was laying around for a little while and he said, wife, let's go lay together and I'll have another kid. So they had Seth. And you remember what happened there. You know, when we looked at chapter 4 last week with uh, Brother Jeremy, you know, he talked about how evil had spread so rapidly from the very beginning. But there was one little glimpse of hope. It, It occurs right at the end. And it says, and at that time, this is after Seth uh, was uh, born, and he had a son and named him Enos. The Bible says, and at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Isn't it beautiful that even with the faithfulness of, of a boy, a young man named Abel, that his death was not the end. That Adam and Eve had another child, Seth. And then he taught his kid so faithfully to begin to love God and showed him what the love of God was and what it was to worship God. That after Seth had his son Enosh, people began to call again on the name of the Lord. There is a God. There is a God. We were meant for good, and we were meant to teach our heirs after us to do right also. Well, we know that nonetheless, evil began to spread, and it began to spread very rapidly. And with the advent of Cain's sin and you know his rising up against his brother and sneaking there and planning this plot and you know destroying him in the Um, you know, in the fields and so forth. Hey, you know, on the pretense, you know, sneaks in there, does the first ambush, does the first murder. All those record things that we see there, that there's still a glimmer of hope. Way off over here, there's a little seed, Seth, who has Enosh. And now people are beginning to call upon God. Praise the Lord. So now we have the rest of Adam's account. This is the written account of Adam's line. And when God created man... He made him in the likeness of God. 
And he created them, male and female, and blessed them, and they were created, and he called them man, or Adam. Anybody have a friend named Adam? Do you ever call him Adam? How come you're mispronouncing my name? Don't you know that you were first called Adam before you were called Adam? Adam simply is the first word for man. Okay? When God created man. By the way, remember Adam, God's creation, man. A little bit of Hebrew there, thinking I'm drunk and can't pronounce it right, right? It's only nine in the morning. You, you know, I'm not drunk as you suppose. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Never mind. That's, oh, wait, that's an axe. Never mind. Okay, so God gives, uh, or God creates Adam, right? Adam. And now, he's, wait a minute, he's looking around, he's created all these other things, and he brings all these creations in front of Adam. And what does Adam do? Names that one this, names the other one that, names an orange an orange, names a monkey a monkey, and then he sees, whoa, man. That was the one that God brought to him, right? Oh, yeah. God doesn't make no junk, does he? All right. So now he names all of these people, but what, what he doesn't do is he doesn't change his own name. He keeps it, what he <coughs> called him, man or Adam. All right, so now that you haven't paid for any of that, I don't think I'm going to give you the rest either. Never mind. Thank God the word is free, amen? All right, so he created them male and female, and he blessed them, and he created them, and he called them man. And when Adam lived, or Adam had lived for 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own, and in his own image, and he named him Seth. Remember that there was Cain first, then Abel, and now Seth. And then Seth, and after Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years. Folks, 930 years Adam lived, and then he died. Wow. Was he ready to die by then, or did he look like he was dead before he, before he actually was buried? Some of those questions, you know, we begin to think about and, you know, conjecture. By the way, we're going to be offering a lot of possible conjecture, supposition, guesses, call it what you will, it's all speculation, okay? And what does speculation lead to? Just spitting or wasting your time or drooling on yourself or whatever, okay? So let's not spend a whole lot of time doing that. By the way, when the Bible doesn't give us a direct answer to something, but yet we know that God knows everything, and he also knows what's good for us, then maybe we just don't need to know. Just a question. Just putting it out there. Do you really need to know that? Remember, uh, Pastor Jeremy said last week, okay, so now you have the story of Cain and Abel, and Cain is banished, remember? That's a part of what he was going. And now he's afraid to go out into the rest of the world because other people might begin to trample on him or kill him or rise up or, you know, well, wait a minute, where did all these other people come from? 
I thought Adam and Eve were the first people on the earth. And I thought their only children were Cain and Abel. And now one of them's dead. So we're all these we're all the rest of these people. And just like Pastor Jeremy said, I'm going to say the same thing. The answer is not clear. We don't know. We don't know if there were other children that uh, were born that weren't mentioned and you know had left and they'd gotten uh, uh, away from the the rest of the family and it began to move out, spread their wild oats. By the way, has anybody ever had someone in their family? Wild kids running off, sowing wild seeds and so forth. You know him, and if you don't know him from your family, by the way, we had one. And the Lord somehow stuck out his rod, hooked him by the mouth, and your mind brought him right back. Praise the Lord. But some of those may still be out there, right? You know him, he's either your neighbor, maybe you were that kid, and God brought you back. But we all know somebody that's been like that. So we don't know if, you know if there was a situation like that. And by the way, what are we doing right now? We're speculating. We just don't know. The Bible is silent on it. So if the Bible doesn't spend time, if God's written word doesn't show us, then how much time should we take to discuss it as well? And we get to the Nephthalim. Where do the Nephthalim come from? Who are the sons of God and the, the daughters of men? I don't know. And so we begin to speculate. We say this or we say that. And we'll, we'll speculate a little bit later. Uh, some more. But hopefully it's to the point of getting it clear to all of us that where God's word is redundant, then take that to heart. Like in the New Testament, when Jesus says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, what's he saying? Hear ye, hear ye, listen. I've got something to say. And then when we find it from several different Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, and so forth, when we begin to have all these testimonies to who Jesus is, and then when we learn from the Old Testament by, by two or three witnesses, a matter is confirmed. When we begin to put all these things together, then we begin to understand that when something is mentioned multiple times, it gives it more importance. Or at least it says... Pay some attention. Okay? Salvation from our Lord is strewn all the way through the Old Testament on into the New. They're always talking about a Savior for God's people, a Deliverer. And that's mentioned multiple times. Giants in the land, few times. Nephthalim, minuscule. Okay? Let's continue on. When you saw at the end of verse 5, and Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. That theme, and then he died, is repeated multiple times throughout chapter 5. At the end of verse 8, and then he died. At the end of verse 11, and then he died. At the end of verse 14, and then he died. At the end of verse 17, and then he died. 20, and then he died. 27, and then he died. And then at the end of 31, you see, and then he died. As I read the scriptures, folks, one saying is true. First to live 
and then the judgment. We all have that opportunity to do right while we are alive. And then the ultimate demise since the fall of man in the garden, right? You know, even though the serpent said, uh, you shall not surely die, what happens? We get old, we get decrepit, we fall apart, and we die. We die. Once to die, and then the judgment. It comes, ready or not, for all of us. Except maybe a few. There's two exceptions in Scripture. One has to do with that riddle I gave you at the beginning of the message today. And we'll get down to that a little bit later. All right, so now Adam lives 930 years and he has all these kids and then they're beginning to populate the earth. Well, it says Seth lived 105 years. Can you imagine having your, your first kid at 105 years? <laughs> and mamas today are worried about whether or not I should have a child after 35 or 40. You know, what if they have a Down syndrome or some other malady and so forth? You know, gee whiz, my... My eggs are drying up, and I don't think I should have any children. Well, what about, you know, Seth? Here he is, and he has his first son at 105 years. And he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether it says that Seth lived 912 years, and like Adam or Adam, what does it say there? And then he... Nobody's awake? Died. Died. Okay. <laughs> and then he died. Wow. Is that what happens? And then Enosh lived 90 years, and he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived a, another 815 years, and he had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Enosh lived a hundred. Uh, excuse me, 905 years, and then he died. He died. You're beginning to see a little bit of a pattern, are you not? And let's continue, and I'll go rapidly. And when, I'll see, so when Kenan lived 70 years, he, he became the father of Mahalalel. And after he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived another 840 years, and he had other sons and daughters, and altogether Kenan lived 910 years. And then he, what? Died. And Mahalalel lived uh, 65 years before he became the father of Jared. And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived uh, 830 years. And he had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Mahalalel lived 895 years. And he died. And when Jared lived 162 years, oh, excuse me. When Jared lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, and then... Maybe we're, might, we might be seeing the answer to the, the riddle. What was that? Methuselah was the oldest man who ever lived, but he died before his father did. Why? Because of this next verse. It says that Jared lived 800 years. He had other sons and daughters. 
and then he died. And when Enoch was 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more, because God took him. God took him. So it doesn't say, and then he died, does it? There's no, and then he died. The Lord took him. He walked with God. And God said, I want you. Took him to be with him. He was, in the words of theologians, he was translated. He began to walk with God one day and continued all the way up the stairs to heaven. All right. So now that we've answered that with the, that um, riddle, anybody solve the first one? Where? Yeah, you already know. So, okay, <laughs> and it's, it's so so simple. We don't bury survivors, do we? Hopefully not. Anyway, uh, and if you do, you're worse than uh, Cain, because <laughs> at least Cain had the decency to sneak up on his brother and kill him. Where you would want to bury a survivor, they're, they're groping for. Never mind. Okay. All right. So much for for the fun today. All right. Now the rest can be very serious. So put on your serious face. I gotta study hard. Study to show yourself approved and all that. So when Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 780, uh, yeah, 782 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Methuselah lived 969 years. Well, you see, Adam lived 930. Uh, Kenan lived 910. Enos lived 905. Seth lived 912. And it's like, hmm, I don't think anybody's beat him so far. Somebody lived 895, um, you know, 905, and yeah, I don't think anybody beat him, right? So Methuselah was the oldest man who ever lived. Lived 969 years, but what happened to him? And then he died. And then he died. And when Lamech had, this is verse 28, lived 182 years, he had a son, and he named him Noah. And, and then he said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Wow. How many of you have taken the time to... Name your child a long sentence long, you know. You know, sometimes some of these girls that hyphenate their names once they get married, especially if they were born in Mexico and they have their father's name and their mother's name, and then they have two middle names, and it's just, wait a minute, they have first name, middle name, two last names, then they hyphenate, and you know, it's like, wow, you know, here's their name. Okay. But look at this kid. <laughs> My name is, he will comfort us in our labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground that the Lord has cursed. 
Wow. What'd you say your name was? My name is he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Can you, one more time? <laughs> it's like, huh? Wow, wow. But there was really a hope there. There was really something that this man wanted his son to turn around and he was hoping that God would provide it in his son. And that's why he gave him such a long name or a long meaning for the name that he gave. Do you remember a fellow by the name of Adam? I know he said that he died already, but can we remember him for a moment? Remember, Adam was there. God comes to him. What is this you've done? Well, the woman that you gave to me, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, excuses, excuses, excuses. And we're full of a lot of them. But what does he uh, ultimately break down and do? Yeah, you know what? uh, She gave to me and I ate, you know, just like circumstance. I don't know why, you know, it just happened. So what was the result of that sin? He was told, just as the woman was told, they were all told to stay away from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that particular tree. Don't touch its fruit. But Adam did. But at least he had his shoes. Never mind. So he ate of that. And what was his curse? Well, you go back to chapter 3 there and you see it very, very, uh, very easily. Chapter 3, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life and it will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow will you eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you'll return. And when Lamech had lived 182 years and he has a son and he, he names him Noah, look what Lamech is doing. These many generations removed from the original man, from the original sin, Lamech looks to his wife, looks to the product of their love, and he gives that child, his boy child, he gives him the name of Noah. And he prays that the Lord will comfort us in our labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground that the Lord has cursed. Wow. Well, so Noah was to be a great hope. Noah was to be a glimmer of sunshine. Noah was meant to be soothing salve or ointment on an ailment that you have, an injury, or moisture for dry skin, or pain relief for a sore, or healing balm for an infection. That's who Noah was supposed to be. When you pray for your child to be like that, when you ask God 
to bless this child so that he will become a comfort for us. Bless this child so that the ground will no longer be toiled, uh, uh, tainted for us or spoiled for us. Bless this child. What are you doing? You're calling upon the God of all creation. The one who had made not only you, but made your child in his image and after the likeness of God. You're calling upon him and his power. The God of all creation, you're calling upon his power to bless your child so much so that he would even have the power to reverse the curse of original sin. Can you imagine that? Reverse the curse of original sin. Prior to the original sin, what did we have? He had a perfect garden. God, remember, God made the garden. And then he makes this beautiful creation, man and woman, and he places them in the garden. He says, have fun. Enjoy it all. Remember, just don't touch that tree. Don't take its fruit. But everything else you can have. So what do we do? What if, what if that tree dropped its fruit? Is it okay to touch? Because we didn't, we didn't pick the fruit. <laughs> you know, we start to, to rationalize. Well, maybe if I just take a little, no one will miss it. Or what if I just steal from a corporation because they're big and after all, you know, they're not like us, the rest of the working stiffs. We work for an hourly wage, you know. So it's okay to take a little bit from them, right? They'll never miss it. After all, they're rich, evil people, right? Mm. Mm. Remember the woman? She saw the the fruit was good for food. A delight to the eyes. And it also uh, uh, had the power, allegedly, to make you understand the difference between good and evil. Wow, wow, all of that in one piece of fruit? Wow. And by the way, when you go to the, uh, the uh, boob tube, you turn it on, there's a commercial, and it says, you know, that this is your power food, whatever it happens to be. You know, and it, <laughs> by the way, if you started adding up all the, all the power foods, you know, it would come down to just eat your vegetables and just, you know, just have a balanced diet and whatever, all those things, right? Because supposedly they put them all together for you. And, you know, how do you fake out your kid? You put fruit and vegetables in it, stir it up, and you add some sugar so they don't know, right? Okay, make them eat their vegetables. Power food, right? Great. All those things. But Lamech prayed for his son, that his son might reverse that curse. He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground that the Lord has cursed. Well... To some extent, that actually comes true. But we don't get to see that till Brother Jeremy comes and shares the next couple of messages. Unless you want to sneak ahead and read the word. <gasps> I don't know about that. I, don't know what you're supposed to do. I told you that, right? Um, as a kid, we had a family Bible, but it was up on the top shelf. And raised in a certain religion, I was told at church that only the priest could read the word. That's what I was under the impression of. But I would sneak up there when my parents left, take a peek, 
But I close it up real quick. I don't know what I read, or I didn't. I obviously didn't learn anything because I kept disobeying them every time they left. You know, go up and peek again, and turn on the TV. Everything that they told me not to do, I would do all the time. And then, how do you cool it off with those big tubes that get so hot when they're gone? And you know, they can tell that oh, you were watching TV. You weren't no. We are sin, sinners, to the very core. We can't escape the fact that we've all been tainted by original sin. Every one of our parents and all of our prodigy are going to be tainted continually by original sin. We cannot help that. We cannot help that. But we can control our lives by the things that we do with, uh, with the opportunities to sin we can begin to gain strength to overcome the sin. You know, wisdom to avoid sin. To, uh, you know, common sense that if you're an alcoholic, don't hang out at the bar. Huh? Wait a minute, I don't get it. You don't have to drink if you go to the bar? Yeah, but the, what's the likelihood? More, more likely that you would, right? Same thing when you're just sitting in the dorm room and someone says... You know, hey, do you want some of this? No, thanks. It's time to go to the library, right? Okay. So he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. And after Noah was born, Lamech lived another eight hundred excuse me, five hundred and ninety five years. And he had other sons and daughters. And altogether Lamech lived seven hundred. 77 years. And then he died. Wow. And then he died. This chapter, if you just kind of stay with this chapter and you don't read anything else, man, it's like kind of depressing. Like everybody's dying. There's some guys at my office. By the way, I get every death and funeral notice that comes out through our department in Boom, I get it. One of the first guys that gets it. And it's like, are you serious? Another seven today? Uh, you know, it's, uh, when you have a department that's like 10,000 people that are sworn, another 3,000 that are civilian, and then all the their family members, their spouses, wives, children, you know, whatever, parents, etc., you begin to have a very, very large sense of, wow, this is a huge, huge, congregation, 60, 80,000, I don't know. And then every former member, and then you hear about them, and, you know, they lived whatever, and boom, and then they passed away, and sometimes we know about the services beforehand, sometimes we don't till afterwards, <clears throat> all those things, but it's like, wow. So some of those I actually print out, I obviously couldn't print out everything. We don't have enough paper allotted to the department to print out all that, but anyway, so I might have a few that are poignant that have a story and so forth and I'll put them out there as kind of a reminder on my inbox and people walking by oh Rick what's this what's this oh man another one oh man I, I hate coming over here I get so depressed man it's like yeah yeah it drags you down and uh, when some of us that are getting up there in age a little bit older what do we have we have friends that are passing away you know, we have, our parents are passing away. 
And their sisters and brothers, all your aunts and uncles, are beginning to pass away. So we have all these people that are beginning to fall off the edge of, you know, the, the end of the earth. And they're only 60, 80, 100 years old. These guys were how? How old? 777 to 969 years old. Those are just the ones we know about. Not everybody in all these genealogies is, is mentioned. So we're not really sure. But as far as we know, Methuselah was the oldest man that ever lived, right? 969 years. How would you like to live 969 years? From where I stand, by the way, I'd like to live to 69, period. <laughs> Maybe a couple after that. I think my wife would like to have me around. Only to take out the garbage or something, but no, I'm kidding. No, it's... it's uh, a lot of those things are relative. And it depends on who you know. How important is it that you live only 777 years as opposed to 969 years? It depends on what you did with those years, amen? What did you do with the time that you had? Is God going to hold you more accountable if he's giving you more? Or is he going to hold you less accountable? To whom much has been given? As I read the scriptures, what does it say? Much shall be required. What did you do with what you have? Oh man, if I was a millionaire, I would give so much money to whatever. You don't have to be a millionaire. What are you doing with what you have? Do you share your time? Do you share your talent? Do you share your treasure? Do you share anything with anybody else? What are you doing for others? And if you're not, then think about it. It was because of others that you're here. It's either your mom or your dad or your friend or your brother or somebody that was random on the street or some minister in a church or some deacon that gave you, you know, handed you some. It was somebody else that began to share with you what you now know today. It was you who had to make that decision, but it was someone else who prompted you and made you look in that uh, different direction. They reached out to you. And that's how you now know <clears throat> the Lord. That's how you now know the love of God. And yeah, you've learned a lot since then. Well, I don't know enough to share. Yes, you do. You know that someone reached out to you. And you know that you can reach out to someone else. <clears throat> if nothing else, offer them a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, so we have kind of this depressing passage, but there's a little glimmer of hope here. It's Lamech, you know, praying to God for his son Noah, you know, help him be a comfort to us, overcome that curse that, you know, we saw the Adamic curse there in the beginning. Maybe somebody would say, well, well, what if Lamech had a daughter? Would, would he, you know, name her, help us never to have pain in childbearing and, and so forth and, you know, all that stuff. No, we're not, we're not told that. But, you know, that was her curse, right? I will greatly in, uh, increase your pains in childbearing, the pain that you will give, uh, give birth to children uh, and so forth. And, and now your desire is toward your husband instead of toward everything you want to do. Hmm. Okay. I see how it is. Yeah. Where's women's rights in all this? <laughs> Remember when the Bible is silent on something, right? What we shared earlier. If it's silent on a particular subject, then how important is it? It's more important that we obey our God 
than that we get the treasure this world that he created has to offer. It's much more important that we love God and follow his commandments than it is for us to acquire much treasure that he has in this world. It's much more important that we go and touch other people than it is for us to go and bring everything to ourselves. Okay? All right. Now that we've shared all that, and we'll come back to it just briefly. So, altogether, Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died, and after Noah was 500 years old, the last verse tells us in chapter 5, and after Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Wow. Wow. Now, we don't know if he had triplets at that time. He probably had them all individually. But, but he was about 500 years by the time he had those three sons. All right, the first eight verses of chapter 6. So chapter 5, we had the written account of Adam's life, or his uh, line, his, the, the lineage, his genealogy. Now in chapter 6, the first eight verses, you have a little bit of what we now know to be um, what was going to be promised through Noah, that there was a flood. In reading those first few verses, when men began to increase in the number of uh, on the earth, and daughters were born to them. Wow. They had a girl. They had a girl. Men began to increase in, the, in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them. Yeah. As parents, they had sons and daughters. And it says that the sons of God, who are those? The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them that they chose. And then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. And then it says that the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards. And when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, the men of renown. And the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and how and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I have grieved, for I am grieved that I made them. And then you see what the last verse says. Wow. Let's go back and see if we can understand it a little bit. And we're possibly a little bit late in the game, but let me have you uh, join me in a word of prayer. Lord, it's a... Uh, privilege to be able to read your word to understand it is something else we pray that your holy spirit will guide us into all truth we pray this even now in your name and help us to make and take whatever application that this passage affords us to be able to use it for the betterment of the christian body ourselves and christendom 
in your name. Amen. All right, so men began to... I mean, that, that's, that's what happens. When all these old guys start having a lot of kids, that's what happens. You know, they're increasing in number on the earth, and they also had daughters and they were born to them and so forth. So the earth is beginning to get populated. And if you can imagine, by the way, in all the... Uh, all the generations are not mentioned. They didn't wait 500 years and then have three kids and, you know, that kind of thing. They probably had a lot of children. What was the first commandment before the Ten Commandments? Do you remember? Anybody remember? God created male and female. He created them. And He tells them to do what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, have dominion over it, and you know, you you be in charge. But fill up this earth. And by the way, what do we have today? Oh, all these people. Oh man, we got too many people. The earth is overpopulated. There's not enough food to sustain it. There's only six billion people. Gosh. You could fit most of those in uh, you know, Los Angeles. I think half of them are there. When I drive into the city, it's like, wow, look at all these people. By the way, the city of uh, L.A. has a little more than three million. Okay, there are residents, and seven million during the day. <laughs> when everybody's coming, driving in and driving out, type of thing. <clears throat> all right. That's not the county. That's just the city of L.A. The county of L.A. is much, much larger. All right. So all these people are beginning to fill the earth and they're beginning to follow along with, uh, you know, whether they wanted to or not. When, um, by the way, if uh, procreating didn't involve something that mankind enjoyed, how great do you think the population would be? But instead it did uh, also have as part of its element something that we do enjoy. And so the earth was populated. And it's beginning to fill up. And now it says in verse 2 that the sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful and they married them and they married any of them that they chose. They said, hmm, like, like you know, you might picture a caveman. Hmm, woman, me like, you know, and they drag them off, right? That's the power they had. Who's going to tell them no? After all, they're, they're giants, right? The sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful. They married any of them that they chose. And then the Lord said to them, my spirit's not going to be, you know, contend with man forever. You know, he's mortal and his days are going to be 120. I mean, that's, that's all the chance I'm going to give him. Well, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, verse 4, and also afterwards. And when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them, they were the heroes of old or the men of renown. Okay. Are we equating the sons of God and the Nephilim, these giants in the land, are they the same? And are these, who are the sons of God? Are they the ones that had fallen from heaven? You know, are they angels? You know, kind of angelic beings? choose whomever they want. They have the power to do so. After all, they may have been giants too. Who knows? And they begin to choose these daughters of men. Hmm. There are so many different answers that we could give. But I think I gave the right answer at the very beginning of the message today. 
that it's all speculation. Okay? But one thing I'll tell you for sure, and then as soon as I say for sure, like, really? Like, for sure? There's a caveat to that. So, wait a minute. Can we be sure about anything? You know, it's like, wow. I don't know what's, what's going to be happening here. Well, as I read the scriptures over in Matthew and in Mark, very clearly it tells us when Jesus was explaining to his disciples uh, some of the basic truths about life and so forth, and then he had to explain to them that there's no marriage or giving of marriage in heaven, and the angels don't marry. Huh? Well, wait a minute. If the angels don't marry, then how can these angels, if they're angels, these sons of God, fallen angels, if you will, be having relations with the daughters of men? And I would say they're not. And I would say these are not fallen angels because that's not the angels as I understand them, are created beings by God. Just like you and I were created, but we also have the ability to procreate. Not so with the angels. And then my caveat to all of that is, at least it's not so by the time of Jesus. Was it, you know, did it happen back then? I don't know. And you know what? I don't care. And it doesn't matter. We could continue to talk about whether the, these sons of God are even the same beings as the Nephilim. And it seems to lend its, itself to, to that. By the way, if you look up the root word for Nephilim, the, the N, P, H, and L of Hebrew, that little tetragram there, it speaks of falls or fallen and so forth. So when did that come? Well, then you can kind of think back and wait, wait a minute. Maybe I can look to, uh, let's see, oh, going back to, okay, whatever. Well, Adam and Eve, right? They sinned, so that's the fall of man. But what about Cain? You know, he rose up against his brother and he was extremely fallen, so much so that he had to be cast out and so forth. And then it seems like he's having kids and they're getting even more wicked than, than he was because he saw a woman... You know, and they have children, that kind of thing. So, it's like, wow, wow. We do know that sin was beginning to overtake the earth. So much so that the Lord, in verse 3, says, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal and his days will be a hundred and twenty years. These Nephilim, or these fallen beings, and I won't call them angels. These fallen beings might be fallen human beings. Or, if you want to call them angelic beings, who's going to say that you're wrong and I'm right, or I'm right and you're wrong? Like, heads I win, tails you lose, right? It's kind of the It's either I'm right or you're right. No one got that? Okay. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and after, and after, and also afterwards, when the sons of men went to the daughters of men and had children by them, these were the heroes of old, or the men of renown. 
giants in the land, people of prowess, if you will, great abilities, people that were looked up to, okay, all of the above. But remember, they're falling, right? They're falling. And what does that mean that God says, hey, I'm not going to continue to contend with them forever. Their time is going to be 120 years. About 120 years later, a fellow by the name of Noah is given the instruction to do something. And I'll leave that story for Brother Jeremy. But I do want to get to get to this. Sometime immediately before, and certainly after the flood, the lifespan of mankind greatly reduced. Did it go to 120? When I look at Psalms today, by the time of David and the Psalms, it says, in a, you know, what is man? You know, he's given 70 years or 80 if due to strength. And by the way, now we're beginning to live to 90s and beyond. But that's because of medicine. But it is God who, remember, breathed in the original breath of life into us, gave us that life. And he said that man is but dust, and to dust he will return, right? Okay, so keep all these things in mind. So let's look at at more about this where it says the Lord is grieved. Was God so repentant that man, did I ever make a mistake? I made mankind and now I've got to wipe them out. Or was he like any father who had a wayward son or a troubled child? Any parent that grieves and tears their heart and is worried and concerned about the welfare of their wayward child. Was that the sense? Or was it the sense of, wow, I really made a mistake. I'm just going to wipe out all of humankind. He doesn't. And you see that in the person of Noah and his sons and his wife and their wives. You see that when God spares eight people. But then he says he's going to wipe out all the animals except for two of these kind and seven of the clean kind and, you know, and on and on and on. So he's giving, what is he giving? He's giving us another chance, another opportunity. I think God is showing his great love. I mean, where chapter 5 completely bums us out, all these guys live, and what's the bottom line? And they die. And they die. But our hope is what? Our hope is in the Lord, Psalm 39, 7 tells us. When you look at Psalm 33, and I'm going to turn there very quickly. When you look at Psalm 33, and that's in the Bible, right? Where's Psalms? Psalm 33, verse 20. tells us that we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In our hearts, uh, or in Him, our hearts rejoice, and we must trust in His holy name. May, our, uh, may your unfailing love, Lord, rest upon us, and so forth. And then there's a, you know, third, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, and I'll let you look up those later. 
And then there is uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 24 through uh, 26. So there's all these beautiful passages. I want to just kind of, since I see the time getting away from us, I want to share a passage from 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel 15, in verse uh, 22, right there toward the end of it, 1 Samuel 15, 22 tells us that it's more important to do this rather than that. And what is this? It says, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So rather than enjoying the fruit and the fat of the earth and so forth, it's better to listen and to obey God. It's better to obey than to offer sacrifice. But then as you get over to verse um, 29, it says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not man that he should change his mind. Who was Samuel talking about? Talking about God. So was God so repentant that he was going to destroy all of mankind? Or was he just like a father grieving for the wayward children who had sinned and had fallen short of his glory? You decide. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a man that he should change his mind like you and I. The scriptures tell us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And if God is the same, and if he so loved this world, even the ancient world back then, and if we're promised again in the New Testament that for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, and we heard that earlier in the uh, uh, singing in the service uh, this morning, all of that, that if God gave us that, and if he's the same for uh, today, yesterday, and, and forever, wow. Wow, what a God we serve. What a God is our hope. This God does not change. He loves us with an everlasting love. And He wants us only to listen to Him. To heed His warning. To uh, take His instruction. Listen, my son, we see several times in the uh, poetic literature. Listen, my son, to the teaching of your father in the instruction of your mother. Heed my words. Follow after them. And to obey them is to live by them. Praise the Lord.